Hi, it's Jamie. And I'm Portia. And we are Just Two Pearls. Join us for Adventures in Pearls. We're going to start out with a poem. This is by Edna St. Vincent Millay. It's called, I Know I Am But Summer to Your Heart. I know I am but summer to your heart, and not the full four seasons of the year. And you must welcome from another part such noble moods as are not mine, my dear. No gracious weight of golden fruits to sell have I, nor any wise and wintry thing. And I have loved you all too long and well to carry still the high sweet breast of spring. Wherefore I say, O love, as summer goes, I must be gone, steal forth with silent drums, that you may hail anew the bird and rose when I come back to you as summer comes. Else will you seek at some not distant time even your summer in another clime. That ends the reading. So, Jamie, you know what we normally do right now? This would be the time where we would share an adventure where we talk about something cool, something fun, something that's going on. But, Jamie, since this is the last episode of season two, my, 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 look how far we've come, praise God, I think it is time for us to switch it up just a tad. So now it's time for the petty pearl, okay? So just in case, mm -hmm, yep, just in case for all of you petty people who don't listen all the way through the end of the episode for the petty pearl, or if you skip your way through to the end to hear the petty pearl, and don't be petty by shutting this episode off now that you're getting the petty pearl. We just want to say, one, thank you to all of those who do listen to us. We're really, really grateful. Um, We appreciate you. We see that you're listening. We see that you're engaging us on social media. But guess what? Um, it's real petty when y'all don't, like, you know, respond to us. Like, you know, at the end, we give y'all our contact information. We tell y'all to reach out to us. Be proactive, not petty, and reaching out to us. So in Season 3, we really want to hear from y'all. We want to hear your ideas. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear all of those wonderful, fun things that you all want to talk about. And so Jamie and I, we are looking to take ourselves to another pearly level of excellence in the future. So reach out to us, engage us, talk to us. And also be very, very sure that um, we're going to be here all summer long. So don't be petty by not listening up to us through the summer. Make sure you pull out your headphones, get your boom boxes if you still use one of those. Uh, get your Bluetooth, you know, whatever, however you listen to us, and listen to us all summer long because it's going to be a great season. It's going to be a great episode. You don't want to miss it. And, yeah, enjoy us all summer long. So don't be petty. Make sure you listen to Just Two Pros Podcast. Yes. Ain't that right, Jamie? Let them know. That's exactly right. I am just sitting over here nodding my head. I completely agree. Pearl, I think it's mad petty that we don't hear from most of y'all. And like I said, we know that you listen. Sometimes we even be on Facebook minding our own businesses, and we see people talking about our show. So why don't you just email us and let us know what you think. Our email inbox is open. Our Instagram is open. Our Facebook is open. There are so many ways to get in touch with us. So please engage with us because the show exists because you exist. That's right. So, Jamie, now that we've been petty, now that we've reflected, 
I think it's time now that we tell the pearls of what we're going to be talking about today. And so today we are going to engage something that's actually really, really, really serious, something that's on the topic, on the radar of so many people's minds right now, and that's mental health. And not to say that mental health is not always on the radar, but with the recent um, passing and suicides of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, I think, we think that it's definitely time to talk about it. We've um, kind of talked about it in passing, but this is an episode really dedicated to mental health. So, Jamie, uh, what, do, what do we want to say? What do we want to share? What kind of things do we need to be thinking about? What kind of things do we need to be talking about as it relates to mental health? Okay, so first of all, just a trigger warning for anyone who is having any um, mental health concerns or um, who perhaps recently lost someone. Um, so just to start that off as we're starting this episode, you know, even though we're talking about a pretty serious topic today, I think Portia and I both agree that we will really want to reach towards the light. And so we're going to share some resources with you. We're going to share some things that we've been thinking about. Um, but together, let's reach toward the light and let's reach toward a place where we can really be cultivating all the pearly light and all the pearly goodness that is inside each and every one of us. So as Portia said, it's been a couple of weeks now, um, but a couple of weeks ago we learned um, about the deaths of both Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, you know, who are celebrities, so they're in the limelight. Uh, we don't want to focus entirely on the lives of celebrities because we know that everyday people, um, just like us, just like the people who are listening to this podcast, are um, impacted by mental health issues, are impacted by suicide and by suicidal thoughts. And so we really just want to bring this to the level of ordinary people. Uh, one thing that we want to point out is that suicide levels in the United States have risen in the 21st century. So that's something to think about and to be aware of. Neither Portia nor I, especially not me, y'all, um, <laughs> I'm not an expert in psychology or anything like that. Um, but I think that that's something that we need to talk about, about the fact that there is, it seems, this feeling of hopelessness and helplessness that's causing people, even people who it seems like in terms of the way the world views success, in terms of um, being middle class or being wealthy, uh, owning a home, having a family, people who, if we judge success on those lines, are doing really well. And yet, clearly, there's this feeling of despair and this feeling of isolation. And there's a few reasons why that happens, um, which we can get into. Um, but that's something that's definitely risen in the 21st century. And so something else, too, in addition to the fact that the rates have been really, really going up, did you know that, Jamie, did you know that particularly in New Jersey where I'm living, that, this, that the rates of, like, mental health illness has, like, risen, like, so high. And so I think it's important to know contextually, like, where we are and where we're living and just knowing, like, um, our societies and knowing, uh, just looking at checking, like, the CDC reports and just seeing how people are struggling, right? You see people every day in and out, but we never really know in our own communities how people are being impacted. And the thing about mental health is it really knows no race, no color, no creed, right? But Astonishingly, we see a lot of people of color, particularly black women, right, in urban neighborhoods and rural areas who are struggling the most. And I definitely think that mental health 
one, yes, it's medical, but I also think it's also uh, high things are contributed to societal situations, right? So people who live in poverty may have higher rates than those who don't live in poverty. But that doesn't mean that people who live in poverty are the only ones going through mental health. And so sometimes the media paints this picture that only people in impoverished, quote-unquote, situations are the only ones going through. No, because if we look at a lot of, like, the mass shootings and the people who have been committing these crimes, a lot of them have been what? white men, and a lot of times they're not necessarily from poor communities. So, and they have uh, tested, like, their mental health and their mental, like, stability. And so there have been numbers of people who say, okay, it's only in this eight neighborhood or it's only amongst these people. But I do think as black women, um, I think that there's something to be said about us taking care of ourselves first, right? Because black women, we go through a lot. Whether we always talk about it or not, we go through so much. And I only, I truly believe that only black women can really understand the plight of other black women. And so I really think it's important that we continue to have these conversations, to be transparent in these conversations, especially if these rates of mental health and suicide have been going up for, like, the last 20 years, right? It's, we really need to talk about, like, why is this happening, what contributing factors, why do we always feel like we have to be the, quote, unquote, the strong one and not talk about the things that we're going through or talking about our anxiety and talking about depression and knowing that mental health is not just it's not just one thing. It varies. Mental health is across the spectrum. So there's depression, there's anxiety, there's mental disabilities, and so mental health is an array of things. And so it's not just people who are suicidal. So people assume that just because someone was, quote, unquote, suicidal, that that's just the only people who have mental health issues. That's not true. So in that, as we continue to seek toward the light, it's important for us not to stigmatize what mental health looks like and who possibly has it. And so it, like I said before, it knows no color, no race, no creed. Right, exactly. And I think what you said about black women and mental health is really important to point to. Uh, first of all, as Portia said, we know that people of, you know, all races and all gender identities do listen to this show. But I think what the statistics bear out is if a person is a person of color, especially in dominant white environments, that that can contribute to ongoing mental health issues. And I think it's also true, of course, if a person is a woman um, in light of uh, sexism, if a person is an LGBT person um, or identifies as being part of that community, um, that can contribute to mental health issues in an area, in, in a world that really presses heteronormativity where there's still so much um, hate and exclusion for LGBT, LGBT people um, and members of that community. And, uh, of course, anyone who is at the intersection of multiples of those identities is particularly at risk. And there's so much stigma, especially in communities of color and immigrant communities, about seeking mental health help. And that's part of what only compounds these issues. Um, but as Portia said, and I think that's important, having mental health issues doesn't just look like um, having suicidal thoughts. And, and we do want to talk a bit more about suicide in particular, um, but specifically we want to focus on mental health and black women who are at the intersections of all of these issues. Like Portia said, disproportionately there are um, black women who are struggling with poverty 
Um, but also there are black women just like me and Portia who are well-educated who struggle with one of two things, either having lots of degrees and being underemployed and therefore being underpaid and constantly having to live beneath what their peers who have the same or lesser educations live with, or who are like an Oprah Winfrey but have to deal with the constant um, virulent racism and sexism, with, which comes with being a black woman who's considered to be on top, right? And uh, so, yes, we want to name that. And so there are health conditions that are disproportionately impacting black women, both poor black women, middle-class black women, wealthy black women, and the whole spectrum in between. And a lot of these issues, you know, we see them playing out in terms of, you know, diabetes, hypertension, um, you know, weight gain, weight loss, right? Um, but we also see it in terms of um, at the bottom line, you know, what's underlying all of that a lot of times is an ongoing mental health issue. And it's really challenging, Portia, I think, because as black women, you know, there are certain things where maybe there's a person who underwent a traumatic event in their life and they go to, to, go to therapy for that particular trauma, traumatic event. Um, they and the therapist um, prayerfully work through that traumatic event and they're given some tools so they can continue to work through it in the, in the, um, in the future and come to terms with it. But it's not prayerfully an ongoing experience. It's something that happened, it was an isolated incident, or it was an incident from childhood, or it was an incident from a certain job that they used to have, but it's not ongoing. I think the issue of being black, a woman, um, a person of color, LGBT, the issue is that we have to go through the world and constantly undergo the microaggressions and actual, like, seen aggressions um, we have to continue to confront racism, sexism, homophobia, ableism. We have to confront it at every turn. So there's opportunities to go to therapy, and I think Portia and I would definitely agree that that's something that's important for people of color or people who fall into marginalized communities to do. But then there's also the fact that this is an ongoing issue. You can't escape the trauma. As soon as you leave the therapist's office, there's the reality of being a person of color, being a woman, being an LGBT person in the world. And that's something that also has to be contended with. So I just want to point you all to this um, self.com article from 2017, which talks about the eight, eight health conditions that disproportionately impact black women. Um, and we'll put it in our show notes. Um, but just for any woman of color who's listening right now, it's a good resource just to see kind of what some of the health conditions are, to understand that you're not alone and to understand that some of these issues might come from an underlying mental health issue, and it's important to be healthy mind, body, and spirit. So it's possible that um, joining a community of faith that is healthy and sustains you would help you with some of your physical issues. Um, going to see a therapist might help with physical issues because health is inter interconnected and intertwined. Um, so we'll link to that so you all have that as a resource. I'm just going to tell a personal story. Is that okay, Portia, if I tell a personal story for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Wellesley alumni. I graduated six years ago. And Wellesley is a disproportionately white school. It is a women's college, and so there's all the greatness that comes with that, yes, for um, women's colleges. And, I, you know, Portia and I both went to them, so I think we're definitely 
advocates for them. Absolutely. But it was really, yeah, but it was really interesting because when I was at Wellesley, I really struggled a lot. I didn't want to be there. I was very angsty. And if you know me, I'm a very positive person. I have a super positive affect. But I was always very angry when I was at Wellesley. I really struggled with feelings of just feeling out of control. Um, there were a couple of years where it was difficult for me to maintain good grades. It was difficult for me to maintain my weight. You know, it would fluctuate up. It would fluctuate, like, extremely down. And I didn't really know what was going on. And I, of course, blamed myself for this. I blamed my age for this. Um, I thought, you know, I need to grow on my relationship with God, which is always true, but not always the solution to whatever, you know, you know, the problem isn't always, oh, well, I'm too distant from God. That's why this is happening to me. Um, there are other factors that play into everything that happens in our lives. So it's only been, you know, probably after I graduated a few years later, uh, I got connected with, and this is very strange, but, you know, being at Yale, you know, Portia and I were part of the largest class of, like, black admits who had come in at one time. And so it was actually kind of strange because it was, like, at Yale that I kind of got reconnected with black community at a way that I had not been when I was a student at Wellesley. You know, I think at Wellesley I was so focused on, like, you know, fitting in and being excellent and, you know, being the best that I could be. And I didn't think about reaching out to other black women, forming community with other black women on campus. So that happened right away when I got to Yale, um, that I formed community with other black students and especially, you know, made friends like Portia, which really contributed, I think, to a major improvement in my health, a major improvement even on my outlook on myself. And even, you know, we were talking about James Cone a few weeks ago on the episode. Um, I read James Cone when I was a senior in college. And I think even reading A Black Theology of Liberation, which was not necessarily, you know, I, the, the book is obviously a great book of theology. But as I was reading it, it even helped me to come to terms with my blackness and what that means and what it means for me um, as a child of God to love myself through my blackness and love myself, you know, not in spite of my blackness, but like because God made me and because God does identify with blackness. And, and that was nothing, I had never thought about it in that way before. And so even, you know, reading James Cone, applying to divinity schools, even that was part of my healing process. And it was so interesting because when I went back to my reunion last year, it was really difficult for me because I realized I don't share a connection or a bond with anyone really who I went to undergraduate school with, in part because I was never the most whole, healthy version of myself, but it was because I was in this place where there was so much trauma because of racism, and I didn't, I wasn't able to name that when I was there. It made me remember this young lady who I went to college with, who was white, and who was the roommate of one of my good friends, and who was afraid of black people and lesbians. This is what she announced to my friend when she, when they met, my friend was also white. This was literally the lead in. So whenever I would see her, you know, with my friend, you know, I would try to talk to them. And so my friend, of course, would talk to me. And this woman would just pretend I wasn't there. And then uh, I once went into their dorm room at night to like pick up games. And this young lady woke up. And I guess she saw me in the room. And so my friend told me later that she had said, Oh, my gosh, it was like I woke up and I was looking into a black hole. This uh, dynamic of, uh, you know, some people are better than others and it's based on race was something that 
I constantly was bombarded with and I didn't even realize because I was like, oh, I'm at this women's college. Obviously, it's a bastion of feminism. And it's like, well, all feminism is not for you. And I did not even recognize that until I was able to kind of get out of it. And so I think it's been kind of an ongoing healing process of, you know, recognizing the good, the greatness in me and being able to kind of work through it. And so, yes, I think it's really important as black women that we name that trauma and that we figure out ways to work through it. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you sharing, you know, your story, Jamie, about, you know, I think it's so important that we share our stories, right, because people need to be reminded that they're not alone in any part of this journey, right? And for you to share your story about how you were in a predominantly, dare I say, like a predominantly white institution of white women, right? Um, not that there weren't other black women, like, on campus, but for the most part, you know, Wellesley is, you know, a white school. But that's not to say that, that there's not struggles within womanhood, womanhood. There we go. I said womanhood. Well, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> in womanhood. <laughs> and, there, and, and, and the sisterhood, when we think that, we're all going to be in this space affirming one another because we are women. But then yet there's this barrier of, like, race, and then just, like, white people think they can just say whatever they want to you or treat you any old kind of way. And so I feel I feel that, right? And so I hear that, 20, that young 20-something Jamie, you know, just kind of coming through. And I, I feel for her, you know, and I will just, like, I mean, granted, we can't go back in the past, but I will continue to affirm her and say that she is beautiful, she is awesome, and she is brilliant, right? And if somebody could, like, if somebody out there, you know, identifies, you know, with Jamie's story, just know that you're awesome and brilliant, too. Um, you know, in terms of, like, my own my own stuff, right, I call it stuff. <laughs> um, in terms of my own stuff, um, for as long as I've known, since, like, I was a teenager, like, I've always been, like, in therapy, right? So I've always kind of just had this orientation of I don't understand why people don't go to therapy because I've been in therapy since I was like 16. And I can completely under, I understand why there is a stigma amongst black people like, okay, if you go to therapy, then we're not strong. If we go to therapy, then somehow we're weak. But no, we're not. Like we are very, very strong people because we can acknowledge that there's something wrong, because we can acknowledge that we're not perfect people. So I've literally been going to therapy since I was 16 because I've had some traumatic things happen in the home and you know, just in my family, and so I didn't really know what to do with that, <laughs> and then I was getting this call from God, too, and I didn't know what to do with that either, <laughs> um, so it's kind of like, here I am, you know, this awkward, trying to figure it out, teenager, and going to therapy, get to college, still in therapy, because I'm dealing with the stuff that I didn't deal with when I was at home, right, but then I'm also coming of age into myself, right, as a 20-something-year-old in college trying to figure it out. Um, you know, I had a situation where, and I'm very, you know, very open about the fact that I was um, sexually assaulted and raped when I was in college. And so I had to deal with that in college and going to, to therapy and dealing with that trauma. But then, you know, I was even in therapy when we were at Yale, why? Because now I'm in a space where I wasn't 
I was no longer affirmed in my blackness. It's something um, my friend Elizabeth and I, we talk about a lot, is how someone was a, space for, was a safe space for us to be affirmed every single day. Every day we are the bomb. Every day we are the baddest. Every day we are the most beautiful. Every day we are the most brilliant, right, because that was a space that would affirm us. But then going to a space like Yale, it was kind of like, okay, well, everybody's brilliant. What makes you so special, black girl? You know, all the, all the black women are brilliant. So it's like, well, what makes you special, black girl? It's like all the white girls are brilliant. What makes you so special? And all everybody, right? And then you've got, like, people who kind of have entitlement, but when entitlement has a race, I didn't really know what to do with that because I've been away from the North for so long, and I kind of understood Northern racism in a different way that I didn't really realize existed, but it did. And so then being back home and so still trying to work through my own personal home trauma and still and working in the fact that I'm back in the North and the fact that I got to be around white people and the fact that I got to be around white men, like the complete opposite of what I am, right, I didn't know what to do with that. And so literally it was just kind of like, what what do I do with this? And so it was hard, right? It was socially, it was a struggle. And it was socially just like the time. It was just a big struggle. I didn't know, um, I really didn't really feel like I could identify with everybody all the time because it was like I don't feel like anyone really could share my experience as a black woman who went to a black college with all black women and had that experience. So for me, it was kind of like the culture shock. I had a culture shock and didn't even realize I had a culture shock. And so I didn't know how to deal with that. Um, And I was walking around mad at the world. And so I needed to just kind of deal with that. I learned that I had anxiety, which I knew I had panic attacks in college, but I didn't realize that I actually had anxiety. I didn't realize that I actually had depression. So, like, and then my grandmother passed away when we were at Yale, too. And so for me, my world completely flipped and turned upside down. And so I needed to go to a space where I can continue just to kind of talk about those things. So I feel like I've always kind of been on a journey of unpacking my stuff Um And then it wasn't until after Yale where I've had for the very first time in my life I had a black woman therapist. And, oh, my God, Jamie, I say all this to say that therapy is important, but we got to go to the right therapist too. And I've never gone to a therapist that one looked like me and who could identify with my experience as a black woman, and it made all the difference to me because she was able to speak to me in a way that was real and she was able to communicate with me in a way that I could understand life. Like there are multiple ways to count to ten, and that was probably one of the biggest things that stuck with me. Um, What are the things that you're carrying in your bag? Sort through your stuff and work through it one piece at a time. Don't feel the need to be overwhelmed, Um, you know, just in terms of me managing my anxiety. Um, And like I said, it was the most freeing time of my life. Um, going to a black therapist, and then the time where it was kind of time for that period to end. So because, you know, we don't journey with the same therapist our whole life. But when it came time for that to end, I was like, okay, who do I go to when I go to go to move in New Jersey? And she's just like, go live. And I'm like, what? Like, no, I got to go to therapy. I'm going to a transition. I'm about to be in a new place. I got to, you know, keep talking to somebody. Somebody be my sounding board. And she's like, you know, just for a little bit, allow yourself to – 
to to come to know yourself without a therapist for a little bit. So to just to explore life and just to kind of put what you know into practice. And so that was her recommendation for me. And then when the time was right and ready, okay, I can go to another therapist to figure out what other things I needed to unpack. But because I had so much stuff that I was unpacking and I was still unpacking stuff that I was, that like, it's almost like I was in like a constant state of unpacking and unpacking the same things for years and never actually discarding it. You know what I mean? Like, you know how you unpack a bag, but you don't actually discard it. You just kind of hang it up and you keep on and you hold on to it. Then you repack it and then you bring it with you to the next place and then you unpack that and then you put it back into the bag and then you go to the next place. I was doing that. And so I think it's important that when we unpack certain things and certain traumas that we don't just unpack it to repack it, that we unpack it to discard it, that we can say this has happened, we acknowledge this, what can we learn from it and how can we move from it and how can we grow from it. Um, Because holding on to all those traumas, eventually, you know, something's going to snap, eventually something's going to give, and that's not healthy. And so um, that's kind of been my journey um, with my own mental health. Well, actually, say I should say like a, a skim of the surface. <laughs> I mean, because you know we all have like you know stuff that can go even deeper. But like that's kind of like um, like a general overview of like how I've been constantly like in a state of carrying the same stuff throughout life instead of just learning how to. Uh, let stuff go or just to kind of release some things. And I think that's one of the things that we kind of miss about therapy is like once we go, we've actually got to put in the work. You know, we just can't be sitting and occupying a couch for an hour and not actually do the work that is being given to us. Yeah, and so now I've had to put the work into practice, like the lessons into practice, and not just be sitting on a couch occupying for an hour (laughs) and giving money because, you know, mental health services cost, and unfortunately, the state, unfortunately, the government, unfortunately, insurance doesn't always cover in the way that it should, but if your insurance does cover it, please take advantage of it. If you have health insurance, if you have the privilege and the opportunity to have health insurance, go see someone to work through some of the stuff that you have because we all have traumas. We all have things that we are dealing with that we're carrying, and I just want to encourage you to continue to find the light and utilize what you have. If you have insurance, go see someone. If there's a free resource out there, find it. Go talk to somebody. Get it off your chest. You know, work through it. But it takes work, um, and it and it just doesn't happen. The healing doesn't happen overnight, but the healing is possible. So that's the other right. part I want to share. Yeah, the healing is possible when we're open to it, when we're ready to receive it, and when we are, um, yeah, when we're open and ready to receive it, it's possible. Yeah. So first of all, Portia, thank you for sharing all of that about your journey and your experience and the ongoing quest for wellness, uh, which I think that's also important to say that, you know, it's just like you just don't go to the gym once in your life. You, like, don't, like, work out once and that just keeps you healthy for life. You don't eat an apple once, and you're healthy for life. This is an ongoing journey. We're on ongoing health journeys. We're on ongoing spiritual journeys. We're on ongoing, um, you know, mental health journeys. And so it's important for us to bear that in mind. So first of all, I want to say that. Uh, Second, I have a clarifying question. 
how is it that you find your therapist? Because uh, it sounds like you've gone to several of the course of your life. And so can you give folks tips as to how they might go about finding a therapist for themselves? Yeah, that's a really great question. So how I've been able to find the ones that I've had. So the first couple. So the ones that I've had in college, the one I've had at Yale, and the one that I've had in high school, all of those therapists were through my school. So my high school had a therapist, my college had a therapist, my grad school had a therapist. So I literally went through the school. And so if you're in college or in grad school, I encourage you, go see and find out what resources are available to you at your institution. Because sometimes those are included in hidden fees in the package that we are paying for or in our scholarship package that we don't even realize. And so I would say um, sometimes your school will give you 10 sessions for free. Some you get a limited sessions for free. Some you may only get, you know, three sessions for free. But however many you get, I would say go and utilize them just as a, a way to kind of oil that machine. Um, and then in my adult life, I actually asked. I asked um, one of my mentors who was, who's in the mental health um, field who's actually in human services. So I asked. I was like, do you know someone who I can see because I know that I need one? And so um, I used my insurance, my parents. I was still on my parents' insurance at the time. And I had, you know, co-pays, and that was extremely cheap. Um, it was a $15 copay where they do that at. And then when I got my own insurance, it was, the cost was a little bit more, but I knew it was worth it. And so um, I literally asked. I asked around. And then um, when I, after I moved to Jersey for after a few months, I started using Talkspace for a little bit. Now, Talkspace, it wasn't I wouldn't say Talkspace is for me because I actually like being on the couch and like pe talking to people in real time. But I would say it is an effective tool and a good resource, especially if you're introverted and you don't necessarily want to talk out loud and you're a better writer and you feel better about written communication. Utilize Talkspace um, and some of these online resources. They will connect you to a real, um, a real certified licensed clinical practitioner, whether they're a social worker or whether they're a psychologist or a, you know, the psychic, not the psychic, you know, psychiatric doctor. Right, psychiatrist. You know, thank you. <laughs> psychiatrist. So they'll connect you to one of those people, um, and you get to choose. And so if that is something that you um, are open to, I say go, go forth and get um, Talkspace. It works for people. I have friends who use Talkspace and love it. Um, like I said, it wasn't something that works for me. But I will also encourage um, Therapy for Black Girls. Um, it's a podcast and also a website with Dr. Joy. On her website, there are um, all the states, and you can find a therapist in your state. And so um, she lists all black women therapists on her website. So I don't know whether you, where you live, if you live in California or if you live in New Jersey. Maybe you live in Texas or maybe you live mm -hmm. in Florida. But there's somebody out there for you, and they, um, their profiles will list what kind of services they provide, what kind of um, therapy they specialize in, because not all therapists are the, are the same. So they tell what kind of specialties they have. Also, another thing Two, you can go on Psychology Today, and Psychology Today also will give you a list of resources for uh, therapists as well. So Psychology Today 
and therapy for black girls are two great places that I've been using to find um, just a new therapist or just even browsing to see who's out there just for my own Rolodex so if I could recommend someone. Because one thing about working in ministry is it's good to have um, resources in your back pocket to say, oh, I know somebody in XYZ space. Oh, hey, I know somebody such and such space. So you can refer people. So um, I say those are two great places to start. You can log, um, plug in your uh, insurance information if you have it, and if you don't have it, some of them have sliding scales. So it doesn't hurt to just reach out. So um, give it a shot. Perfect. And we're going to put all of those links in our show notes um, because, yeah, Psychology Today, it sounds like therapy for, you know, therapy for black girls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, you know, I love that tip also, Portia, just, ask someone and I and I know that part of the issue is sometimes shame and stigma in terms of asking someone but if there's a trusted person in your life um you know it's also good just for people in your life who are you know a mentor a close friend a parent a sibling to know that it's something that you're struggling with so it doesn't come out of surprise for them like oh what are you doing Right, but it's like, oh, okay, like this is something that we're working on. You know, we're connecting to a therapist. That's great, and they can support you on the journey that you're on. And and I think it's good for all of us to be a, on a journey and to support each other on our journeys. I think that's part of the work. So thank you for those tips, Portia. I would say, um, and this is so preacherly of me to to have this example, but in terms of the way that we support each other in terms of mental health, I feel like. It's like when you see someone carrying a weight. The other day I was in the gym, and there are these two young men who work out together at the gym. I see them there, like, almost every morning. And so I was carrying a weight, and I had gotten the weight from one, one room, so I wanted to go back and re-rack re it in that room. And if you're a gym goer, you have the mental image in your head right now. So I had the weight in my arms, and I needed to open a door and go through the door to get back to the other room. And so I saw those two young men who I see almost every morning, and they were walking through, and one of them came through, and then I saw him holding the door, right? So I was like, oh, that's so nice. He's going to hold the door for me. But no, he was holding the door for the other young man, and then they let that door close in my face. <clears throat> and I was carrying away. So I had to rush and open the door for myself. And I'm capable of rushing and opening the door for myself, so no worries. It was all good. But I think our responsibility toward each other as human beings is, you know, we look around. We see other people carrying their weight. Everyone is carrying a weight of some level, right? Mine was 30 pounds. Some people are carrying a 70-pound weight. Some people are carrying a 10-pound weight. Some people are carrying a 5-pound weight. Some people have a ton, right? Everyone is carrying something. And it's not necessarily our job uh, to come up next to a person and be like, oh, here, let me take your weight, right, because we also have weight. But I do feel like we can see someone carrying a weight and acknowledge that and say, how can I support you in carrying this weight right now? In this case, all it was was just leaving the door open, right? And sometimes that is all that it takes, right? Like if, if I know Porch is going through something, I'm not going to move to Newark and move into her apartment. But I will say, you know what, Portia, the door is open. Anytime you need anything, even if it's just someone to talk to, my door is open, Right. And that's what I want to encourage us to do as we're wrapping up this episode. Recognize that everyone around you is carrying a weight and that you are also carrying a weight. Some of us are fixers of other people's lives. So instead of dealing with our own problems <laughs> the way that we need to, we go out and we try to fix everybody else. 
Some of us are um, just not even focused on other people, right? And, and it's because we are carrying weight, right? Like I don't want to act like, oh, it's because, like, you know, everybody is selfish, everyone's a narcissist. I don't even think that's the issue. I think the issue is that we all are running around carrying a weight, and we're just trying to make our way through life with it. And so what I would say to each of us who's listening, it's a little bit different for mental health providers, for ministers. I know the rules are a little bit different for us. But just for all of us who are walking around the planet Earth, why don't we just do a good job of, first of all, being conscious of the weight that we're carrying, right? And then second of all, being conscious of the fact that other people are carrying weight. And when you see a friend, a family member, even someone who you just met carrying a weight, just open the door. I think sometimes, you know, we, we see other people, um, you know, when we go to meetings, uh, if you're a student, when you go to the first session of a class and you don't know the other person in the room. And sometimes it just goes a long way, Pearls, just to say hello, just to say how you doing, just to smile at someone so it just feels like there's an open door there and they're not carrying their weight alone. They are not unseen. They are not invisible. You see them. You care that they are alive. You're happy that they're alive. And I think that that's, so that's pretty important. So thank you so much, Portia, for sharing your story. That was awesome. No problem, Jamie. Thank you for sharing your story, girl. We out here this time to, you know, spread the pearly love one episode at a time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, y'all, we're going to put some links in our show notes this week. Um, we're going to put some links in about how to support someone, um, if they tell you that they're having suicidal thoughts or feelings, but just in general, someone is just telling you that they're feeling despair, that they're feeling sad, how to kind of assess the situation, and like Portia said, how to kind of give them these tips where maybe you, you don't necessarily know a particular therapist that they can go to, but you have these resources like therapy for black girls or like psychology today, or maybe a friend who you know in the mental health profession who can make a referral for them. And so we want you to definitely be able to help others with that. Uh, we want to be able to give you some tips to help people who might be going through a loss or just recovering from a loss of any kind. So we're going to put some tips in the show notes for that. Um, we'll put links to these various sites that Portia said that we can go to if we are looking for a therapist or if we just want to see who's out there. Because I think that's important um, just to know, you know, if there's some sort of support I need, that there's this whole network of people whose job it is um, to help. So I don't have anything else. Portia, you have anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? I just want to say that pearls keep shining the light and love yourself on this day because we're excited for season three in the fall. But before that, we are excited for the summer series. So just to reiterate, y'all, do not be petty by not listening to our summer series. So Jamie and I are super-duper excited for, you know, hashtag clam pearls <laughs> and pearl posses unite. We are so excited for the summer. So please, please, please check us out all summer long. You don't want to miss it. Trust us. Well, thank you all for rocking with us for another season. Like Portia said, we'll see you in the summer, so we won't give you too much time to miss us. But we really appreciate you for supporting our podcast, for sharing it with your friends. Please keep doing that. Uh, thank you to Portia. Girl, I love hosting Just Two Pearls with you. So thank you very much. Um, oh, you're the best partner ever. <laughs> and 
Also, thank you to all of our guests. We've had some really dope guests during season two. So that's why if you haven't been listening to every episode, you need to go back and binge listen. Um, One of my favorite guests we had early on in the fall, well, two, three, all three of our relationship series guests, um, Reverend Shelley, whom we both love very much, Nicole Azan, and uh, Sydney Magruder-Washington. I loved that series. I loved every single one of the guests that we had and the kind of advice that they gave us and uh, the tips that they shared, the stories that they shared. That, I think, was one of my favorite series of the, of the uh, what do we call it, the season, y'all. I was about to say quarter. I'm confused. I'm in a quarter system in school. It's not a quarter. It was a season. Uh, Portia, did you have favorite uh, uh, guests from this season? You know, I really enjoyed our bow ties. Because yes. the boy ties, the boy ties, <laughs> the ties. I mean, they really, really had some great episodes. So um, Rashad during the Advent season, that was a really deep episode. That was great when we talked for Quadri about um, during the Lenten season and Good Friday. What's good with Good Friday? And when we talked to Brandon just two weeks ago, it was fantastic. So we've had some really, really, really great conversations, and hopefully we'll have the opportunity to have Jeremy with us in Season 3. And it has been a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic season with our guest. And, Jamie, I've always had a great time podcasting with you. We've had some good fun, too. And thank you to all of our guests who sent in some podcast clips. So, like, we thank you for Reverend Melanie, who was with us. We thank you for all of the women who joined us on our motherhood episode. It has just been a filled, packed season from the fall to the spring. It's been packed, and we've had a really great time doing these episodes from bi-coastal, y'all. So, again, y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, We're going to have lots of links for you in the show notes. Remember, too, um, in a few seconds, you're going to be able to hear us sharing our contact information. Use it. It's like when somebody gives you their phone number and you won't text or call them. Like, use that contact information, please, and thank you. We love y'all. Be blessed. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Just2Pearls. And you can email us at adventures at just2pearls.com. And remember, cultivate the pearl within you.